This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn. Oh, he's hot. With an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters, May 31st. Probiotics can be an important part of your daily routine, and they certainly are a part of mine, but sometimes they are a hassle to take. Nature's Way women's probiotic pearls are just what they sound like, adorable little pearls that couldn't be easier to take. They're tiny, but still pack a punch, supporting both digestive and vaginal health. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash pearls and use code CHELSEA10 at checkout for 10% off any Pearl's probiotics. Terms and conditions apply, valid through July 31st. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Chelsea. Hi, what is going on? Not too much, just loving the fall weather. You've been traveling all over, though. Where are you headed? Well, I'm performing in Milwaukee on Friday night, and then I have two shows in Chicago, Saturday, Sunday. Milwaukee, Friday night, and then, uh, where is that? What's the theater? Oh, Bradley Symphony Center. And then the Chicago Theater, Saturday and Sunday night. Oh, shit. And then another show, Sunday night, but that's sold out. Chicago first show is sold out. We have tickets available for Saturday night, October 28th, and tickets uh-huh. available for Milwaukee Thursday night, October 26th. I am in New York City waiting for, I just had to get some more knee surgery. I had to oh get my, my knee cleaned out. So I am off the pills. I had a two-day party, pill party, Great. and then I have to throw them, well, I don't throw them away because they're gone. <laughs> They're gone after two days. And uh, that's how I, any excuse to be put under. Yes. Any excuse to be put under. But my doctor said this will allow me, afford me the ability to ski without pain because my knee has really been acting yeah. up since my orca. So I'm going to either get my leg removed and replaced. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to come out with some sort of knee enhancement, replacement thing yeah. where you don't even have to get surgery, but be put under, obviously. Yeah. I just think it's a matter of months before they have some new technology or AI comes so. up with a new knee or something. Yeah. You know, so Anyway, we have my one of my childhood crushes on today. Mine too. <laughs> His name is John Stamos. I'm very excited about today. I know. He has a new book out. What is it called? It is called If You Would Have Told Me. If You Would Have Told Me. Okay, well, we're going to see what he is going to tell us because there's a lot of juicy stuff in that book. So he did tell us a lot of things. A lot of celebrity books coming out lately with a lot yes. of insight uh-huh. and inside scoop. He is a three-time Emmy Award-nominated TV, film, and theater actor. And his memoir is called If You Would Have Told Me, and it's out this week. Please welcome John Stamos. 
How are you, honey? I'm pretty good. Yeah? John Stamos is in the house, everybody. John, Chelsea, my childhood crush. I, I loved really, you so much when I was I growing up. Yeah. I mean, not to say I don't love you now. I mean, you're very attractive. So I'm getting old. Well, we all are. I love, I I have a crush on you. Oh. Because you're wow. smart and you're beautiful. And I love, remember I was on your other show. Yeah. Quite a bit. I've interviewed you before. Are you doing good? You look great. Oh, yeah. Thank you, you. You talk about being happy now and stuff. That makes me happy. Oh, are you happy? I am. Yeah. yeah. You know what? What I was reading your book, you guys. Really? Yeah. The, uh, yes, of course. The book is called If You Would Have Told Me. It's out this week. It's John Stamos's, it's your first book, yeah, right? Yes, right. Yeah. I want to talk to you about the process because. Well, what it's do you want to talk thing. about? Let's get started. Wh- how was it? I like, I mean, listen, it's a very different medium than everything that you're probably used to. So right. if this is your first book, I can understand. You probably feel a little bit overwhelmed, right? I w- yeah, I was. I, I, I feel good now that it's done, but then now, now, now we have to go out and, you know, I have to go out and sell it. Sell <laughs> it and promote it. And yeah. that is a different beast. But you know what I find that is nice and refreshing about books, and maybe you can think about this while you're promoting it, is like you're not promoting a project that you're not completely responsible for. It's your story. Right. So they're your truths. And then right. you get to just talk about yourself in the most kind of, I feel like, more, most organic way rather than promoting a show or a movie. You're right, yeah. I, it has been interesting, the, the the interviews I've done so far, especially the doing this long form because you can really get into it because there's a lot of you know intricate stuff in the book and ups and downs and stuff. But to do it, you know, do a quick pop on it is difficult, right? Yes, absolutely. But you want to get people interested enough to buy it. Listen, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this book. And, and can I ask you, so therapies, you've been, that's your... You think you're interviewing me right now? Is no, that what you I'm think? I'm not trying to. I just, I'm fascinated by you always, and I like to ask questions. I, I went to therapy for about two years, intense therapy with this guy, Dan Siegel, and it changed my, I mean, it took a while. Like if someone said, oh, therapy was going to take two years, and then probably two years of the, absorbing what you learned in yeah, therapy, right, 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 right. I would have been like, that's too fucking fuck long. It, yeah, like, yeah. fuck it. But I did, went in before I knew how long it was going to take, right, right. and so it was like you did know. Did you think it was a couple of a couple? Of, well, it was a couple of sessions. Yeah, I think I thought oh, I'm pretty smart. Like yeah, I'll are. get this quickly, and then as soon as you get deeper, have you? Are you in therapy? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, talk about it in the book to this guy Phil Stutz, who's sort of a famous. Oh yeah, Stutz, is, the but... one that they did the documentary <laughs> with right. Jonah, yeah, Jonah Hill, Hill yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was going to him way before Jonah. Hill. <laughs> I, I think it was like 12 years ago. Can't remember who sent me there. Maybe uh, I had Saget go. I said we can't be friends anymore until you go to therapy. Oh yeah, and he and he, he was he was there till he died. In fact, oh. he still owes Phil money. Phil told me he said he didn't pay for his last session. Well, you, why, <laughs> he doesn't need the money. So it helped you then. It you? helped me. Yes, it helped me immensely. It helped me with my self awareness. It helped me understand the way that I the vibes I'm giving off. If my personality was coming before any sort of thoughtfulness. Mm-hmm. So now I'm a little bit more thoughtful and careful with my personality rather than throwing it out there. It's not necessary for me to insert yeah. myself all the time. <laughs> my, my guy said, you've, you've already charmed the world. Stop. You don't have to anymore. Just sit back and, you know, yes. stop trying so hard. Maybe that's, you know. Well, we get, I think we get, interesting conversation because I think yes. we get very wrapped up in who we think we are. And who we think they want us to be. Yes. Yeah, I had that a lot too, you know, just coming under the scene, you know, being a teen idol and then, you know, some sort of, you know, guy, which wasn't me. Like, you know, and I'd go on Howard Stern or Jimmy Kimmel or all these shows, you right. know, and they say, oh, you're a playboy. Tell me about all the girls you fucked. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did this and did that. None of it. It was true. Uh-huh. But I felt I had to be that guy for, for yeah. them, which is, which is when I, and they didn't, it wasn't their fault. I played into it. But once I let that go, and it's just hard to trust yourself that you're good enough and you're uh-huh. interesting enough and you're charming enough, right, just to sit and talk. And I didn't like, I went into growing up kicking and screaming. 
I just barely made it too. I just didn't want to because it just seemed boring to me, and it and it and it really required to sober up too. But um, it's you know it's been the greatest. I've just turned sixty. Oh my god! And really? I'm, yeah. That's amazing. Well, look, I'm tired. Today. But you don't. It's okay. Don't How worry, you? honey. I'm I'm forty eight. We're gonna have a big birthday. 50? Well, in two years. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm, I gotta I'm start right. planning it now if I'm gonna have the right kind of birthday party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want everyone to know that I offered John an edible before this interview uh, started because <laughs> I forgot he was sober, and this is a big problem with me as well. Back to the therapy yes, yes, thing, yes. real quick. One of the things I learned, which is interesting, what you're saying is, you know, I always thought I had to be the center, like the the excitement of a dinner party or like yeah. the 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 entertainment for yeah, everybody. Right, like right. I thought that's what people expected of me, that I had to go to every dinner party and just be the funniest person there. And if there was another funny person there, I was so relieved. I was like, let them do it. <laughs> right, right, right. But <laughs> everyone is so insecure about their own funny that people would th- look to me and be like, no, you go, you do it. And I'll, you know, yeah. so it became this weird cycle of like, you you impress upon yourself what you assume people are expecting of you when right. really maybe not everybody's expecting any of that from No, you. and then they go, Chelsea, she got to calm down. Yeah, man. yeah calm down. To, you know, same with me. I thought I was had to be that. And I, you know, drinking too, I thought, oh, I got to be, you know, so I can be funny and sharp. It's, it's, people see, you know, it's fuzzy is what they saw. Like, uh-huh. you know, yeah, I bet you feel that too because, you know, you're, you are, people see you on TV and you're funny and you're sharp and you're very smart too. I think that's what, impresses me most about you well thank you i appreciate you that. lost i know you lost your your brother when you were young and mm-hmm. the abandonment issues but then there was another really sweet brother who i met on your show roy is he still cool? yeah yeah yeah, okay, yeah. Good, good, roy yeah. roy's the best he's but, the sweetest will you tell him i said hi i will he'll love that and he chewy, loves you what about chewy is he still alive? chewy passed away did he really yeah oh, yeah shit. but i mean i'll Catherine, see you're him. doing great by the way i'll, I'll um. see him in the afterlife anyway you know how, how, I, when did he die uh, a couple of years ago, oh, yeah. yeah. He was sweet, right? Yeah, he was a sweetheart. One of the things that I was reading about in your book that I took issue with is your love of Disneyland yeah. and Disney World. Well, I find that annoying, right? Upsetting. Adults. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, I was I was over it. I was done. And then I met my wife, and they said, me back in." You know, <laughs> uh, last night. Your wife is, loves Disney World. Yeah, and Disneyland. And yeah. she and so, uh, what was the period of time you were able to stay away from Disney World or Disneyland? A couple weeks. Uh, months, couple <laughs> months. No, it was a couple. It was a while. I was just. It was enough already. I thought. You know, honestly. But last night, this. <laughs> but is why a, were you spending so much time there in the first it place? Just, it was. A, it made. It, it's. Have you been? I, yeah, yeah, I was. Well, I was there. Honestly, like towards like before I sobered up for ten years, it was kind of fun to go and get drunk there, you know. And there was a but uh, it was it, dry. Epcot. It was dry for what a was? long time. Disney no, no, World. No, no, I thought no. they didn't have any alcohol there at the at Magic Kingdom. Catherine, right, right, Magic yeah. Kingdom. They don't. But the but Epcot, they have you'd have beers across the world yeah. by the time oh, you got to Canada. Okay. Like, huh? But no, I did get over it, because it's it, when you walk through those gates, the rest of the world goes away, and it's just a you it's you have it's a happy place to be. That's how I feel about the Playboy Man. You do. It used to be that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Last night, so my, my I'm leaving town. I'm so busy with all this book stuff, and my wife says, and we do this once in a while. I was like, I got a surprise. We're going on a date night tonight. And this was last night. I said, great. Where is it? I can't tell you. I said, oh yeah, I don't have a lot of time, and but I want to at least spend one good night with you before we go. And so I said, what do I wear? She said, boots. Boots are good. What else? No, that that's good. What you have on? I said, well, is it a hike? Is it outdoors? Is it, well, it might be. It might not. Well, you know. So we get so we're driving past Pasadena. We're going up to this neighborhood, a house, and there's no parking. I said, "What's the date night? You and me?" He said, "What's well, a Disney party?" Oh, and there's shit. a couple of Disney <laughs> oh, legends that are going to be there, me. and a hundred other f- Disney geek fans that you're going to take pictures with. I said, "You're oh, kidding? No. You fucking kidding me? This is date night?" 
And it was that nice people, but you know, I said every selfie I take, you give me a hand job. (laughs) And did she? Did she? Yeah, it was about about eight hundred. Yeah, right. So when is she going to start giving you the hand jobs? I should have got something better, huh? (laughs) Probably. So I don't know. But she loves it. I, I, you know, it's enough. Listen, for me I'm just too. happy you're in a happy relationship. Yeah, you know I what like I mean? It. If you have to give a bunch of hand jobs and go to a bunch of Disney events, I don't have to give the hand jobs. Oh no, I mean, if you have to get sorry, if right, you have right, to right, get right, a bunch yeah, of yeah. hand jobs and go to a bunch of Disney events, then that's the bed you made, and now it's you have to it. lie in it. You're right. Now you can I ask you about this, Joe Coy? Because <laughs> I love that you think you're fucking interviewing <laughs> I'm not me. Fucking inter- I'm just. I'm interested. I, I have a series of questions I want to ask you. Tired of me already. I thought it was. Going to be the greatest thing ever to you. I was so happy for Thank for you. you. I didn't know him much, but and then, but but, do you feel like if you fall in love again, you kind of keep it quiet for a couple of years? Probably. Yeah. You know, I don't need to learn that lesson twice. Although I didn't even listen. To be very honest, I don't feel regret or a rueful towards the way that I behaved publicly with him. I think that was a very good exercise for me, and it was nice for other people to see that side of me because mm-hmm. I've never it's been. Soft, it was a softer, very side. like publicly in love before. So right. I don't really regret that even though I probably wouldn't choose to operate like that again you right, know what right, I mean because right. it's like you know who needs to it's almost very like teenager-ish yeah but that's how it that felt was cute. it was but like that a was teenager sweet about love the whole thing it just felt so bad when it you know didn't but it's okay I mean just relationships end you know and you learn from them and yeah. and I think that the most important thing to do as we get older is to remember not to villainize or demonize the people who've left our lives and actually look at them and say you know what yeah. what did that person bring out in me that someone that I hadn't been brought out in me before. 100%, yeah. So I think that's okay. I have like, I think before I wrote this book- taking my top off finally. because John's turning me on. <laughs> okay. I think before I wrote this book, I ha- I would say, oh, I have regrets. Yeah, this, I didn't, I got dumped. I got cheated on, man. And, um, and after writing, I was like, no, that's like what you said. Like if I didn't have those heartbreaks, that happened. I wouldn't have known how to be right for my marriage now. Well, right? you're, yeah, because especially because you were married to Rebecca Romaine first before your current wife. And you talk about that in the book and you talk about your therapist and that marriage ending, right? Right, right? And your therapist basically telling you that you weren't ready to be with the one and that you had a lot of work to do. Right. So what were those conversations like? Well, it was more, it was more about, it was heartbreaking and, and I didn't want it to end. And it, you know, I, I always thought of would have kids and a thing and, you know, fairy tale ending. And, and it, when it did, it, it ripped me apart. And I was angry for many years, too angry. And, angry I, and it went on. Angry at her or angry at the situation? Her, her, well, her, you know, as I learned. So I, I had the first chapter I wrote was, uh, I thought I'd take the hardest ones. And I wrote about this terrible, the low point in my life. I had this DUI. And I was driving drunk. I was driving around Beverly Hills, and I got and I went to rehab. And it, I think it was there where I discovered, like, so the the steps. You probably know some of this. The fourth step is uh, your know, resentments. So I was like, yeah, she did this to me, and she did that, blah, blah, blah. and I'm making this long list. And the sponsor said, "You done?" I said, "No." Blah, 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 and, all this stuff. and then he goes, "So what part did you play in that?" I said, "What do you mean? What none? Well, you might have played, even if it's one percent." What? And I start writing. I said, "Oh." Yeah, 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 and it was the first time I really was honest about it, and I had just as much to do with the end of our marriage as, as she did. So, you know, you learn. Yeah, yeah. What was that last thing that broke the like the last straw that broke the camel's back in the marriage? I started to get emasculated, and, and I don't know how much of it was her fault or how much was mine, but I felt the, the relationship just went like she was here and I was down here, and I was oh you're on TV, I'm a, and it just was not good, and we split up. For a while, and we got back together, and and it was a, there was a lot of rules, and, and it just didn't work, and I, and I just said this is not working, you know. Mm. And we walked away, but 
I have, and I have never seen her since. But you've never spoken to her since. Oh. The last time I talked to her was in this. Uh, but thank God because I did. I more about myself. Like I'm not gonna. Go, I would never go into a relationship the same way. And thank God I didn't when Caitlin came around. Right. And so, how did you? Uh, what tools did you have, or like that you developed over the years that made you be able to, like, start in a healthy way this relationship or healthier? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I knew that I wanted to. I could get by for so many years with 50%, more than most people, 60% maybe, in anything, work, thing. And I was just always afraid to give 100 because if you fail, then you're, then wow, you gave it his all and you failed. So with the relationship, I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to throw everything. I'm going to be, and if it doesn't work, at least I know how to do that. Uh huh. Right? Sober and, and loyal and honest and all the stuff. And it, and it worked. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. How many years have you been sober? Close to eight. Eight years, okay. So would you consider that newly sober? No. I, I, I was, you know, I was drinking into my 50s and it, it just, it was just time. Well, you talk, you have a lot of examples in the book of times where you, I mean, you don't make yourself look good in this book Thank in you. a lot of areas. And I actually <laughs> appreciate that because I also like to be yeah, honest. Oh, it's very important to be honest and not to gloss over like and pretend like you've got, you're crushing it all the time. I, I started out that way. I was like, I'm going to write a hero book. And I started writing, I said, this is such bullshit. And it turned into a human, you know, it was a human story because... Again, like I never wanted, I never thought I'd write a book. It wasn't in my thing. I didn't think I was sharp enough. And friends of mine that were writing books, like, how do you do it? Why, why do you even start? I, I just didn't get, didn't get it. And then when Bob died, I wrote a beautiful obituary kind of thing in the LA Times. I remember. And so people said, oh, you're a good writer. And I had a kid too. And I said, okay, so now I'm a father. What's that like? And I just kept saying no. And then I really thought about leaving something behind for him, a love letter to all the beautiful people that have come in and out of my life, uh, to my wife, and I've had a lot of mentors over the years that I wanted to talk about. And But then the clutch was that I found, I knew I had them, but I dug up all these letters that my mom left me, these little notes that she would leave me and my sisters. I said, okay, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Did your mom pass away? Yeah, my mom and my dad are both dead. I'm an orphan. I just have my brothers and sisters. It's a lot, five or so. Yeah, there's enough of us to go around. Plus, we have eight nieces and nephews. So there's like, you know, we have a big family. And all of them are married or have girlfriends. And then we have like 10 cousins that live in L.A. So we just, well, not 10, but I say 10 as a round number. But there's eight. Anyway. (laughs) Who lives at your house now? Do you have any I'm actually living with, no. I'm waiting for my house to be be built. And I am living with my neighbor. So talk to me about being like a father. This is something I always wanted. And through the book, I was trying to find, like you do, like try to find as many relatable I- issues. You know, it's like how many people can relate to, I play with the Beach Boys, a million people. But um, Well, you bring up another topic, Beach Boys. You learn right. transcendental meditation with yeah, the Beach yeah, Boys, yeah, right? Because you drum for the Beach do Boys. Do you do TM still? I don't do TM. I do regular meditation, but I know okay. a lot of people who do TM. Yeah, Howard. What, yeah, Howard does it for sure. How do you, uh, how would you describe it? TM? Yeah. You know, it's meditate twice, 20 minutes. I'm not very good at it anymore. I mean, I don't keep up with it as much mm-hmm. as I should. But even just to sit for 20 minutes and you say this mantra over over again. You want to know mine? Yeah. No, well, you're not tell, supposed you to tell your mantra. That was so That close. much I know. <laughs> you almost I, got her. Catherine, you're doing great, by the way. Oh, thanks. I'm just <laughs> enjoying the conversation. <laughs> well, so wait. So I wanted to come up with relatable things. Oh, this is the point. Was that uh, it had something to do with sex. Gosh darn it! What, what was it that you want to have sex with me? I want it. I want it. I want, well, d- hey, honey, we're going date night. Where and is it going to be? We'll be at your house. house. Yeah, okay. And she was so mad at me because I wouldn't take a tour of the, the house. Is about this. It was Disney's house. We lived there for a little while, but it wasn't very big. And she was like, "Come on, let's go on this tour." But 
I want to know what you do for four hours when you go to Walt Disney's house before the tour. What selfies with everybody there? Oh, really? Yeah. Do you hate taking selfies? No, I don't mind. No, no, no. I don't, I don't like, mind it either. I wanted to, It's easier than signing autographs. And I heard you talking about like, you know, you, you spell a certain name and they go, that's not how I spell it. You say, well, that's, oh, that's not my, my mom. Your mom spelled it wrong or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I once good. had a girl named like, Maca- I, it was, Maca- Maca- it was LaForcia, but she spelled LaForcia. it. LaForcia. at a book signing. This <laughs> yeah. happened. She said her name was LaForcia, but with mm. the number four. So oh. L-A apostrophe four and then mm-hmm. S-H-A-E. And I was like, that can't be on your license. Like, That's you- a regular spelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So oh, that's no. what I was like, oh, fuck, I better be. I, you have to yeah. ask when you're doing. No. You always go yeah, like if it's, if it's, you know, Kate the mm. normal way yeah. or if it's a Kate K-A-Y-T-E. Yeah, 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 I hate that. You're also going to get carpal tunnel syndrome for I'd doing have it book already signings. because I've been signing all these things. But wait, we were talking about sex. I was trying to find relatable stuff. I was talking about having a kid, right? Okay. That, you have to have sex I to have a remember. kid, yeah. I was tra- you do? Yeah. yeah no. In the I butt. was trying to find. <laughs> when was the last time you had sex? Oh, it's been a few months for me, yeah. Do we know who, who was it? Who was it? Um, <laughs> somebody in London. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, was, I was on vacation, so I usually get most of my action overseas. Was it somebody you just met? On yes. On the flight? No At a bar. Shit. No uh-huh. kidding. Yeah. Wow. I like that kind of interaction. When I was single and if I saw you in a bar in London, I'd be, first of all, I'd be, how oh, this guy's not intimidated by you? Men are intimidated by me, and a lot of them cannot perform. Is it the glasses, do you think? No, I don't wear my glasses like when I'm out. Those are only for today because I was reading. So men, men are intimidated, men and then how intimidated, do you? And, 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 it see, and it plays out like they have a t- trouble performing sexually. Really? So a lot of times I will be out with a man, and you know we're at a bar or something or at a club. I mean, not that I'm a clubber, but like when I'm in London, I go out. When I'm in Spain, I'm out. And I'll be like, do you want to come back to my house? And then we get back to my house and they cannot perform sexually. This is a constant in my life. And it's obviously my personality and men are just either scared or turned off or I don't know. But why would they come back to my house if they weren't going to be able to perform? I don't get that. They're the wrong guys. These guys. Yeah. So I just keep auditioning different people (laughs) and seeing who could actually. And what happens? So you're in London you say, come back to my place and the guy goes. Sometimes they'll. So once a guy was like, I go, do you want to come back to my place? And he left. He goes, yeah. yeah. He goes, I'm going to the I'll bathroom. <laughs> and he goes, I'll be right back. And he never came back. I can't imagine any fool would be, do that. But see, the thing about the, these fantasy, like, and I try to talk about it in here too, where when I was a kid, some penthouse girl came into my dressing room at, at General Hospital and had sex with me. And I was depressed afterward, you know? Oh. And I, I think, you know, I think people maybe think that our lives, they probably think our lives are fantastic. Yes. Right? And they pull the curtain behind. It's like, oh, she's fucked up. He's mm, fucked up. Yes. You're not Catherine, but the two yeah. of us. <laughs> Yeah, but I, can, I like that scene too because you talk about like the glaring overhead light and the vinyl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. you know, it wasn't the fantasy. No, yeah. I tried to, to uh, yeah, again, I tried to, to find the relatable stuff. I started off with the, getting this DUI, and so I thought, okay, that's a good place to start. It's the hardest thing I thought. Turns out it wasn't. And the five stages of grief there were more booze and sex and all that bullshit. And then I, then the second chapter I wrote, which happened to be the end, was the day I found out that Bob died. And by this point, you know, my five stages of grief were, you know, therapy and family and prayer, and, you know, getting my shit together. And it was uh, so. And then I had to figure out how to, you know, A to B kind of thing. Yeah. But I tried not to be honest. You know, a lot of the times, my mother kept every 
Teen Magazine, every calendar, every journal, every picture. She took a lot of pictures, so it was sort of easy to, to fact-check everything as well. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to put out a book like this and not be truthful. And sure. I think part of the catharsis of doing writing a book is being able to be truthful mm-hmm. because when you are in the public eye, you have such little privacy that you try to retain. I know this from being friends with lots of celebrities, and I know you've been famous since you were a little boy, basically. So you've really never had... A private, private life. You have to kind of really protect what is private because so much of it is public. And now with social media, everyone, there's no privacy. And and I'm not a private person. I don't care. Like, I'm not trying to be private. I don't care if people know about my personal stuff. I'm not that kind of celebrity, but I can respect the fact that celebrities feel that way. You know, they want, they want something that they can keep for themselves. So I get that. Mm. And, but I think the true, like, you know, when you write a book like this, you kind of have to give people something that they don't know. It was very hard at first and then I really got into it and was doing all that. And then the, the audio book was a trip too, you know. Yeah, that, that's annoying. I don't like re- I don't like recording that. It that took is... me like 35 days. They say it takes four or five days. It, first <clears> of all, <throat> it should not take you 35 days. Well, I mean, that's like an elephant's gestation <laughs> just, period. I know. I'm just... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand. That should never take you It that was my long. fault. But I was rewriting it as I, I had time to rewrite it. Yeah, something. you know what? I don't like when they give you direction when you're recording your audio book. Yeah, and they're like, like, they're like talk more slowly. I'm like, <laughs> I don't talk slowly. Yeah. So what? that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> I had a good direction. I didn't bother. I did this thing for Amazon that that's... It didn't come out or something, but it was it was sleep. It was for sleep, to put people to sleep. And I was like, okay. And I didn't really know what kind of voice I was like. Uh, the cowboy and the horse. They, uh, can you slow it down a little bit, people? Okay. <laughs> the cowboy and the horse. The cow- Could you? Uh, sorry, John. Can you less inflection? We're trying to put people to sleep. And I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. Um, All right, we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna be right back. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Hi, it's Chelsea here. If you've noticed that your hair isn't looking as full as it used to, Zion Health is here to help. Zion stands out as the experts in men's and women's hair loss treatments. I didn't realize that up to 50% of women struggle with hair loss which is weird because we need to be talking about that more. Zion has treatments for all stages of life, including for hair loss due to menopause or pregnancy. Zion offers medicated and non-medicated solutions that are developed by dermatologists to maximize the growth and density of your hair. Getting a prescription is simple. Their online consultation platform gives you convenient access to personalized treatment plans. Hair loss gets more and more difficult to treat the longer you wait, so seek help with them soon. Visit xyonhealth.com to get started. That's xyonhealth.com. 
Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values, premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulgence, your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Visit lisa.com forward slash Chelsea to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash Chelsea. And we're right back. Fast. We're back, John Stamos. And guess what we're Chelsea doing now? Handler. You're going to give advice to strangers, okay? That's what we're doing. And what's, and okay. Yeah. The, the show is about giving advice. It's called Dear Chelsea. I know. I've, I together. listened to it. Do you feel you're qualified enough to give? No. Uh, okay. But okay. that doesn't matter. <laughs> and cares? by the way, yes, actually, you are, I am. I, know. You're, 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 I yeah, am, because yeah. I'm bright, I read, I listen, and I care. So that's, I think that's those true. are really you're important. You're super intelligent. The last time you were on Howard Stern, I was so impressed too with you. Um, do you remember that? I don't know. Okay, good. Okay, so anyway, Catherine. What advice do you need from me? Well, we're going to see. We have letters and we have callers. What's the first one, Catherine? So this first one comes from Sober. Oh, okay. Well, Who's that? that's you. Oh. And then I guess your alter ego. Yes. It keeps me out of trouble <laughs> being sober. I, I can see All that, and John. I, see I can see that. that you get into trouble. Get into trouble. I don't get into that much trouble. I would have, tell me this though. In order to get into that, in order to be picked up by some you know British guy with bad teeth in a bar, <laughs> you'd have to be a little fucked up, right? I mean, I'm, I'm drinking, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, sometimes I smoke weed, sometimes I do mushrooms, right. LSD. I like all sorts of microdosing, so I do Got that it. a lot. Okay. I know you're jealous right now. A little bit. I know you are, well, I know. And I don't I want to rub it, it man, in your face. I did a lot of it. Yeah, it I don't good. get into trouble, trouble. Like, I, I have a pretty good uh, system going. But I mean, it, the inhibitions drop down. Have you ever been sober and just like met some guy in London and asked him to come home? Uh, it takes a little no, bit of, right, no, yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. That no. was a big part of it for me. It was, and then you'd get yourself, and it would be with the wrong people and the wrong yeah, type of person. Right. Well, know. I mean, yeah. Well, okay, good. good John night, is trying to get me sober. And <laughs> no, I'm not. No, 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 it no, sounds no, no, like no, you no. are. You sounds don't like, have a problem. Sounds like you're jealous you're used of to. my. No. <laughs> 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 Well, let's keep this guy sober. He says, "Dear Chelsea, I'm a 44 year old gay man who's newly sober." I started using drugs and alcohol when I was 15 and took to them right away. I loved the feeling of being drunk or high, and I felt like it took away all my problems. At first, I used socially, and for many years, it wasn't a problem in my life. But after about 20 years, it caught up with me and turned into abuse. I hit my low when I lost a really big job. I've been sober for 10 months now and plan to stay that way. My drug use became such a daily part of my life. I had something come up and something to come down and something to go really up and something to go really down. I'm not working right now. Is this from Elvis Presley, by the way? No, okay. <laughs> it's not. So, what? But you do mention in your book, you were like, yeah, I was my own pharmacist. I don't have a boyfriend and I'm not working right now and I'm really missing drugs and alcohol a lot. I'm having trouble finding joy without my vices and worried I'll never have fun again. Daily life and socializing seems boring to me. I know you enjoy drugs socially and thought you could help shed some light on my scenario. Best sober. 
Oh, this is perfect timing. We were just talking this about this. This is for you yeah. to answer. Because you. you have to No, you have to speak to sobriety. I'm the one who still uses and you don't. So you have to you speak. You do half of it and then I'll do the other. Well, okay. I would say that if you've been, listen, if drugs have caused you to lose a job, to lose anything important in your life, you've made the right decision by getting sober for 10 months. You've been sober. Do not throw that in the garbage. Don't throw it in the garbage. You need to stay sober. And this is a test. These tests come up all the time, right? With sobriety, with life, whatever. You have to have, you can't do something for 10 months and expect your whole world to change and for everything to be perfect for the rest of your life. You're feeling down and then this is a test for you to get through to the other side and I promise there will be light at the end of this tunnel. I've seen it. Yes. Speak to sobriety. Well, and, no, I mean, it was, that's it exactly. And I was that same way you you were, sir. Um, is, is, what's his name, sober? He just, yeah, he just yeah. said sober. It, hang on, just hold on, hold on, hold on, because it does get better. It's, it's hard at first, because all of a sudden when you're not doing drugs and drinking, all you have is yourself, and you're just like, oh, and your life is probably pretty shitty from all that. And then you go, well, what do I have? What am I, why stay sober? What am I staying sober for? I have nothing. And also don't define yourself. Like even you signing the letter is sober, writing the letter yeah. is sober. It's like, it's that's a, a very one dimensional way to look at yourself. You're so much more than your sobriety, even though the sobriety is the most important thing for you to continue doing right now. You're more than that. And yes, once yes. you get through the like challenges of remaining sober, because the first year is the most difficult, they say, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. true, I'm sure. I can only imagine that you are tested and tempted so many times. Once you get through this year, I promise you, you will feel differently about your sobriety and it won't be such a test. Right. Isn't that right, John? hundred percent. And when, when the good things come to you and they will, I promise you they will, you got to yes. stay the course. Then you go, Oh, I don't. And they start to outweigh the, you know, yep. the drinking and the, the drinking, like we just said, it just would take me down the, and I would, it would low hanging fruit. Good. I'll take three of those. And, that, and just the comfort it, it brings you at the moment. But then the next day you wake up, Oh, shit. I got nothing, man. What am I doing here? Mm. All I wanted my whole life, man, I don't know about this gentleman, I just wanted a family. I wanted kids. I wanted a wife. I wanted someone who I loved. My parents were great. You know, they had a good relationship. And um, that's what I wanted. And it finally came to me, but it would not have come if I slipped after 10 months or a year. And people could see it on me, you know? And when I stopped and I could be clear and like you're doing now, you have it, where you could just look at someone and just be honest and boom, boom, then the good stuff comes. My wife would have run for the hills if she saw how you know how I was before. I thought I was cool, man. I was funny. I know. It's so funny. I had a friend that was telling me the story. We were in Mallorca this summer, a girlfriend of mine and I were and she was saying she was taking some drug. I forget what it was called. I didn't I didn't I didn't, wasn't even familiar with it. But she was taking some street drug, some smoking something that's not very popular, but mm. like in certain areas of the country it is. Anyway, she was smoking and she thought she was crushing it. You know, she thought she was going out, being entertaining, having these nights yeah, right, right. where she was so funny and so awesome and charming and she goes and then her friend took a video and she was basically passed out nodded out the entire dinner yeah, like this bummer. just sitting with her head down and she thought she had crushed that night and she saw that video and she never did that drug again which is a good way to keep people sober <laughs> oh. I mean well, I saw this shit like I was slumped over in my car when, when the cops came and, and TMZ has it I don't know, all I have to do is look at that picture for one second Ugh, it, yeah. it makes me so sick I could, could have killed I'm fucking terrible man well, no, and no, I was no, on my no, way no. to go meet Saget by the way at the Palm so I blame him. But I want to say a little bit about my wife, too, because I know I'm making jokes and stuff about her. She is the most wonderful. She's, first of all, the greatest mother, maybe as good as my mom, and that says a lot. And the conversation that we have in our house now is is so smart and so, you know, sharp about politics, about the world, about, you know. My son's a flirt, and he's more like her. I was not a flirt at five, five and a half, but he's terrible. He's like her. He's always got, it was my birthday, and he had four or five girls, Bella, Stella. He's, you know, and he's looking at me like, Dad, help. I'm like, you got yourself into this, boy. 
We were at Disney. We were in Paris in uh, a couple of uh, in August. Wait, at Disney World there too. Yeah, have a great day. It's a little Disney. much, no? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, anyway, so we're there, and one we were there for two days. One day we have a guide. She was a nice woman, maybe fifty, fifty-five, kind of a, just a normal, and he didn't really pay attention. Day two, we have this thirty-year-old hot French girl, and he's like, you know. <laughs> and his in his plays, and I can't do this because I'm married now, but it's pretty good. He's like, so. Uh, What's my favorite color? <laughs> What's my favorite food? You know, and I'm like, come on, can't you do better than that, son? And so he, then I overhear him saying, I have this girlfriend, and her name is Bella, and she's really cute, and she lives down the street, and blah, blah, blah. And then the, and then the, 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 the guy says, hey, excuse me, I'm use the restroom. And she walks away just as he gets out of earshot. I swear to God, he goes, why did I tell her I have a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> but my point to that was that we have these great conversations, and we are very clear with him that no means no and respect women. And my, we didn't have that conversation in my home, but my dad was that. My dad was so respectful to my sisters and to my mom and never held – she wanted to be a housewife, and it was beautiful. And he never held that over her. He never thought uh-huh. money or anything. Like, he always thought that she had the more important job, which she yeah. did. Stay sober, buddy, because, you know, it's a thing. It's, it's not easy. You know, it's not easy. But. Well, we're going to go on to our next question yet, okay. so let's, let's move on to the next one. Well, our next question comes from Chloe. She is joining us here. She is Chloe with a K. Chloe no Kardashian. A. My neighbor? They're, Chloe was supposed to come on this podcast years ago. Are you friends ago. with them? Chloe? I mean, yeah. Anyone? I mean, I like Chloe. She's cute and sweet. Is she the, she's the taller she's one? She's the taller one. Yeah. They're all very sweet. Very you can't nice. say that they're not nice. And smart. Come on. Whoever's making the dough for them. Right? Well, anyway. Well, Chloe says, <laughs> I need your advice. I'm currently in love with one of my best friends. I know. Tale as old as time. And I actually did not pick this one for the Disney reference. I just uh-huh. thought it'd be a fun one. I noticed my feelings for him about a year ago. Wait a minute, but you're wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. Not I that am. I'm looking. I am. She uh, loves Disney World oh, as well. Why don't you wear that for you? Because she knows how I feel about it. I know. Because I know. it's there called Dear a... Chelsea. That's why. <laughs> there... Dear Chelsea. I don't want to. Dear Catherine. No, I don't want to bother you with these fucking Disney World stories. I mean, that was the most upsetting part of your book to me was the Disney World. You can skip over it. You don't have to read. No, no. I just personally, I was like, really. This is, who he, this is what you're doing yeah. in your spare time. I mean, that was, I was, sh- I was flabbergasted. Really? Yeah, I didn't know. I that- used to go and take drugs there. You would have liked that. <laughs> yeah, I would have liked that yeah. version of you better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, and the and the hair is. Yes. Can what you color? just fucking for fun. focus? For That's two the seconds? color of the tank top that I wore in the Kokomo video. I think. Oh, is it perfect. fuchsia or something? Oh, yes, it is. Kokomo it is video. Indeed. Oh, that was funny. That <laughs> was so a good video. Yeah. That was a good song. It's a good song. It's a good song. It's still. Yes. Okay, Sorry. go on. So, Chloe, and John, stay focused. Okay, I'm focused, but uh, but <laughs> just try and listen to the. These are about the callers. Yeah, it's not about to get racy. Lobbing questions. Well, why don't everybody. we? Why, where are they? I mean, shouldn't they oh, call she's, us? She's, she's joining. She's about yeah. to come on. So, oh. You just stay focused and watch what happens. Go ahead. So I noticed my feelings for him about a year ago and didn't want to act on them because he's part of my core group of friends. Mm -hmm. We recently went on a trip to celebrate a friend's 30th birthday. And since we were the only single people in the group, we were put in the singles room together. And well, after many cocktails, we ended up hooking up. I need your advice on what to do next. His best friend told me that I'm his dream girl, but he's hesitant to make a move because he doesn't want to lose our friendship. I initiated the hookup. Do I need to also initiate the next move? And do I tell him how I feel or risk losing our friendship forever? Chloe. John, this is the first time you've been one step ahead of me the entire the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, he, John just put on his headphones before I did. And well, that was pretty quick. Are observant. I've, I've had him since I walked in the I room. Prefer Hi, Chloe. Hi. Hi, Chloe. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Chloe with a K. Chloe with a K. 
<laughs> so, so she John fell in Stamos love with a friend. Is our special guest, and he's going to start to ask you a series of questions. <laughs> I'm going to refer to it as a barrage. <laughs> but but so, so how long have you been close? For, like, how does that? Have you ever fallen in love with a friend? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had sex with them and thought I was in love with them, and then <laughs> are you in love with them? Do you love them? I definitely do. He's the dream oh. man. He's the total package. Well, she's worried about his family, his reaction, and if he feels the same way, because he's a little bit more trepidatious than she is, right? Yes, exactly. But you guys hooked up, right? Did. So afterwards, was it like, uh, you know, like straight, you know, like, like, why did we do that? Or or... no, not at all. It was just very much like, I think we're both in the zone of well, we did that. Now we either go back to just being completely friends, or we navigate maybe. A friends with benefits, a relationship, whatever that next step would be. Would you be okay with friends with benefits? I wouldn't be opposed. <laughs> oh. oh. Is he there? Can we talk to him? No, he's not no, here. He's obviously he's not there. That's why she's calling us about it. <laughs> oh, he's a teacher? Mm-hmm. That's very cute. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's cute. I think you should just listen. I think there's only one avenue forward, and you just need to make this happen. I think you need to just go to him and be very honest about how strong your feelings are. You just said you love him. You feel like you're in love with him? Yes. Yeah. Go for it. Go tell him. That, you know, what's he going to—and and if he says no and he resists it, then be like, listen, you've told him your truth. Hopefully, he will come to his senses, but you can't move forward without honesty. You only get to live once. You should just go take a leap of faith and and hope that it works out. And it probably will. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I needed a little, a little push in that direction because all of my friends yeah. were very wishy-washy on maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. But what advantage would you have by not saying anything? Nothing. No advantage. We would be stuck in the unknown. Does he listen to this podcast? No, he's a straight man. Exactly. You're the only straight man that listens to this. Listen, I think it's good to take life by the balls and have balls. You know what I mean? And I think by you calling in is you trying to just get your balls in the right order. (laughs) And I want to tell you they're in the right order. Go for it. I don't think you're ever going to regret speaking your truth to somebody and saying and proclaiming your love or adoration and saying, let's go for it. There's nothing set in stone. We don't have to commit to each other. We're not getting married, but we're both going to try and have a relationship and see where we go. And if it works out, fucking awesome. And if it doesn't work out, we'll always try to remain friends. Yeah. That's great about Tomorrow, you, like you said, just got to fucking go for it. How right? are you going to yeah. do it? How are you going to tell him? Do you want us to do it? I have started <laughs> a little text note in my phone of things I was going to say, and then I deleted it, and then I restarted. And so far, it's, I think, you know that I like you, something along those lines. Because it's very... I'm not being hidden about it. I'm not being coy about it. He knows that I find him attractive. He knows that I like him. So I think it's just, again, me taking the initiative and being like, hey, what what should we do now? What are we doing? Uh-huh. But like, I don't think this is a text, right? Like this yeah. is a, like invite him out, go to dinner. No, no, right? no, no. This is a face-to-face. And don't be like, this is coming from somebody who has a very dominant personality. Really? You don't <laughs> have to make him agree to anything you just are inviting him to join you in this relationship it's not like this is how i feel this is what's going to happen i don't think you're going to say it that way but i don't want you to confuse what i'm saying with that you want to go in and say this is how i feel i want to start something with you i would like to have us try a relationship and with the understanding that if it doesn't work out we will remain friends we can both be very mature about this and let's not go into this assuming it's all going to be sunshine and roses no. because that's a big mistake people make too 
And at the first sign of like a difficult time, you know, some people, you want to be able to know that they can handle that in your relationship and handle difficult conversations and blah, blah, blah. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're signing up to get married. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't love is blind. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we barely know you, but I think he's lucky. He'd be lucky to have you. Oh, you seem like a really good person. Thank you. I agree. What is that on? What is, can you figure? What's that on the side there? Is that a that's a TV screen or puppet? Are you ready? It's a Bob Ross finger puppet. Uh, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. And you're finger blasting your finger puppet right now. Exactly. That's a finger blast. Do you know what that is, John? A finger blast? That's a. You, oh yeah, yeah. I'm doing it right now to myself. <laughs> Thank you for calling in. Yeah, thank thank you. you for calling in. Thank you for showing us your puppet. Thank, thank you, you for dealing in. with. Thank you for dealing with John. Right. Thanks. Happy and uh, keep us posted. Let keep us know what happens. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Thank you okay. so much. Love you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Who do you love more? Sorry, John, but Chelsea. All right. <laughs> I, ah, someone hung she up got on cut her. off, so I just Sorry. want to finish her sentence. It Chelsea, was Chelsea. I think yeah, she was going to say me. How do you keep your balls? In, or what were you saying? Keep your, keep I think your you were mixing a metaphor. metaphor. Yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. Matter. No, doesn't do, matter. I can do. I can do whatever I want. It's right. my podcast. If you pray to your balls, is that sacrilegious? I think. I think keeping your balls in order means flying right, flying straight. Got it. You know what I mean? I'm doing it. Always, balls. like you yeah. know, I'm always keep, heading yeah. north. <laughs> <laughs> the north star. I feel like that conversation would be easier if she's just like hooked up with him again. I don't know. I could never figure out like being friends and then all of a sudden falling in love. Like one has to like Kimmel and, and Molly, like they worked together for so long and all of a sudden one day they're in love with each other. It's interesting. One has to, she's looking at me like I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just thinking like it's, I mean, there are a million right? ways to fall in love. Sometimes it's one person, right. sometimes with, well, Joe Coy and me, I, I, I knew he liked me a lot and had a crush on me. Who doesn't? So it had to be my idea, but every dynamic is different and it's kind of, the most respectful thing to do to another person is also is be honest. Right. You know, like in a relationship, like this is these are my feelings so that they know this is how I feel. And if you don't feel the same way, like, okay, we're coming from two yeah. different places. And that gives them an opportunity to act in kindness and, you know, respect as well. Yeah. And she's going to hate herself if she doesn't say anything and then he winds up with somebody else, you know, right. and she like right. didn't right. get in there when she had a chance. Well, our next caller, it's a little bit of a turn emotionally but um i think john's ready for anything i think yeah. so too i think yeah. what you've demonstrated thus far is that you're ready for any I can sort do, of problem I can take, bring it on okay all right i have to go <laughs> okay. beth says i'm hoping to get your advice on something i think you can relate to it will make sense in the end i promise when i was seven my mom got cancer at 10 my dad got cancer and at 14 my mom got a different cancer and at 22 i learned that my dad was diagnosed with his second cancer When I was 25, my mom had to move into assisted living, and the next year, my dad's body lost its battle with the disease, and my sister and I helped him pass peacefully via hospice. Within the last 18 months, I hit a triple whammy. My mom's body lost its battle. I turned 30 and ended a seven-year relationship. Many people ask how I'm so strong, quote-unquote. Well, my coping mechanism is humor. I often joke about using the dead parent card to get what I want, and I turn things into jokes in an attempt to help avoid making my friends uncomfortable with my grief. I use self-deprecation to give people an out if my feelings are too real or heavy. Lately, I've realized that now nobody takes my emotions seriously anymore. The people who love me assume I can handle everything that's happened because I'm used to the trauma. This is where I'm hoping Chelsea can help. 
As a fellow strong woman who's been through a lot of shit, who has a sarcastic sense of humor and uses deadpan tones, how do you convey your needs when necessary? Is it your tone of voice? Do you do this only in therapy and not with your friends? I could really use some help to figure out how to reestablish connections with those that I know want to support me without taking my own jokes on the chin. Hi. Hi. What's her name? Beth. Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi, Beth. This is John. Hi, Beth. You know, Saget was the king of, of that, and he would make jokes out of, you know, when it, you know he had a lot of tragedy in his life, and yeah. that was his way of getting through grief, and it, and it was probably, as Beth was d- dealing with it a little bit, that he was yeah. like that. He, he would use jokes when tragedy struck, and, and, and he had a lot in his life. We didn't get along in the beginning at all. We had different styles, and we, you know, we were like this, but we finally, when uh, his sister, you know, gets scleroderma and she passed away and Dave's sister had cancer and my sister had what a brain What are the chances tumor. that all three of all your three sisters was, yeah. had, were so sick? My sister made it thank God but theirs didn't and so he would make jokes about it and it, and it was fun at first but then it would be come on Bob you know but that was his way it was his, it was his only way out and but he was always there for someone. Like he would do the jokes, jokes, like mm. probably you are. And then he was there. Then he became Bob and he was the most reliable guy on the planet. I asked him to host my father's uh, funeral and he got up and started with uh, tonight's specials are cake and cock and we're out of cake. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and my mom was like, oh! But we needed, but, but that was a time when everybody, we just needed to laugh and that was great. And then he got very serious. And then after that, he was right by my side through all of it. So maybe you do that. Yeah, definitely. And I I feel like a lot of my friends that have tragedy in their lives too, you know, they come to me because they know that I've experienced it and I've made it through it. And I do have coping mechanisms that I've used. It's just this particular loss of also my mom, you know, just six months ago has hit me harder than everything else. And I think that they're just kind of assuming, you know, I'm going to stay on the same track that I have always had. And it's, it's kind of like, this one's different though. And I really need somebody else to be there for me the way that I've been there for them. Well, you just said it perfectly. And listen, I want you to think you're in therapy, you said, yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I want you to think this is a whole new chapter in your life. You've lost your mother and that's been the biggest blow, but you've had a, you've had a million blows, but that doesn't make that make this blow any less painful. Your reaction and deflection with humor, I have used humor my entire life for difficult situations. When anybody used to say, I'm sorry about your brother dying, I would be like, well, you didn't kill him. Like, mm-hmm. what did you do? Push him off a cliff? Like, it's so uncomfortable. But was that hard because you didn't take it? You would try, And then when you were alone, it, did it hit you or? Well, it hit me many years later. I had kind of delayed grief because I wasn't allowed to grieve in my, in my mind at right. that time time. I didn't want to let myself grieve because everyone around me was grieving and I didn't like the looks of that. So it hit me a lot lot, lot later in life, like what I lost and the impact that that had on me. But I think, listen, you have so much experience in this that you need to take this like new chapter of your life. You're 30. This is the first time you're going into life without your mother. This can be a new experience for your grief. And you can easily explain in the most you know eloquent way that you just did that you have been using humor to deflect to the friends that you need. And this is a time in my life where I need to be honest with you. I actually need to lean on you. I actually need help from you. Just because I've had a lot of tragedy doesn't mean that I've become inured to it. You know, you can say all of these things to people that you trust and know that love you. And I guarantee you are going to get responses that are going to help you through this time. And you can also look at this new chapter in your life as the period of time where you're not going to deflect your pain anymore. You're not going to use 
use humor every chance you get. And to know the way that John just retold the story of Bob, it does make people uncomfortable and it makes them unable to understand how to communicate with you or how to help you grieve when you're constantly making jokes. So it's not even really benefiting you in any way anymore. So you know how Oprah always says things work until they don't? Like humor has worked for you now and now it doesn't. Yeah. And I hadn't even thought about it from their perspective that like if if they are really trying to connect because they'll I, I have wonderful friends and they'll ask me, you know, how things are going or they'll try to bring up both of my parents. And I hadn't even considered that, you know, that's selfish of me that, you know, they might have been genuine in that. I guess I had just always assumed, you know, that they were just trying to be nice or that they just wanted to acknowledge the giant elephant in the room that is, you know. You're denying their friendship to you. They want to help. They want to pour their heart out. And when you put this wall up of jokes and things, then they go home, oh, man, that that felt bad because they didn't get to help you, right? Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I would be frustrated if somebody did that to me. And I'm, you know, and the friend that would sit down and, you know, grab their shoulders and say, like, yeah, let, you know, I'm here. Talk to me. Yeah. And sometimes all you just need is you like as soon as you break that dam and just let mm-hmm. them know that you're aware of this cover that you've been using, all you need is a good cry on your friend's shoulder. It's not even that we need so much. It's that you've put up this kind of wall around yourself and you just need to like let that wall crumble down. Did you get to spend great time with her at the end there? And were you guys close? And Oh, yeah. I, I was her primary caregiver for about six years. Oh, oh, wow. um, she must have been so yeah. proud of you and the way you took care of her. That means so much to mm-hmm. a, a parent, uh, you know, and she died knowing that, that you were the great daughter and you took care of her and you put other your needs aside for hers. At least you have that. That's a, that's really sweet. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very valuable. Six years is, I mean, oh my God. That's a sacrifice. I don't know that a lot of people or that every person would do something like that, give of themselves in that way. So you can also take comfort in knowing that, you know, you were such a support system to your mother. But I think more importantly, moving forward, you want to create this kind of new way of life, right? Like you're 30 now, you're a grown up. You don't have to deflect anymore. You're allowed to be in pain. And the minute you let a little out, it's like you're blowing an entire gasket. You don't have to look at this as like, oh, you're going to be crying on your friend's shoulder every single day. Like, it's not like that. You know how grief is. It comes in spurts and and it's not constant. And the minute you get those walls down, you're just going to feel so much more support coming at, at you and so much loving energy coming towards you that you've been kind of holding at bay. I would encourage you, next time that you're feeling down or you're feeling really emotional, send a text to a friend and say to them, you know what, I'm really going through it right now. Would you be able to come over and talk with me or be with me tonight, tomorrow, whenever? Let that be sort of your entree into opening up to a friend. That way, you know, you know and they know This isn't like funny, funny, fun times. This is I'm really dealing with it. And I really need somebody to like come be with me while I process this grief tonight. And your friends are going to be thrilled. Yeah. Yeah, I I hope so. I kind of, you know, had written in because I I was just kind of saving it for therapy. And, you know, I have a great therapist and I have a great psychiatrist that helps me with my meds. And I, I trust both of them. And I'm really thankful for that. But I know that that's not healthy to just, you know, keep it between myself and the person that I'm paying. No, this is free. We're free. Yeah. <laughs> and friendship is free. Friendship is free. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you've helped so many of your friends, mm-hmm. right? In the past, you've been that you've been that person to them. Let them be that to you. Yeah, we've I have a 
Dead Parents Club group text. Oh, of, I love that. That's even, good. Uh, I have one too. From like different friend groups that have lost parents or siblings in some cases. So yeah, I've brought a few people together in that way, but I've just struggled when it comes to myself and not deflecting. What's one of the great things that your mom bestowed on you? Oh gosh, everything. I know that that's a cliche answer, but she was just spicy and sassy and never apologized for being herself. Um, she was super materialistic and like not in a annoying way, but in like, a, yeah, I'm going to buy nice things. I like and deserve nice things. I mean, like she demanded that she be buried with a full manicure <laughs> and jewelry on and that I pick out the outfit for her to wear. And That's that's beautiful just to even to talk about her because did you see that movie Coco? Have you ever seen that movie Coco? Mm-hmm. It's a Disney oh, movie. I'm sorry. We're talking about it. You and me? Val- no, Vanessa and me. She, uh, it was, you know, when the, uh, somebody dies, they, they go up to a certain part of heaven. And then if you don't keep their name alive, you don't talk about them, all the good things they did, like you just talked about and, and the wonderful qualities of your mother, then they die again up there. So it's important to talk, tell stories about her, laugh about her, make jokes, put pictures of her everywhere and call into podcasts and talk about her if you can. Okay, John. Wrap that up? Yeah, wrap that up. Honey, okay, keep us, you're, you're going to be fine, okay? And this is, I just want you to, when you get off this, like you're 30 now, you're going into a new part of your life. Those old things are going to become something of the past. And now you're going to enter adulthood and womanhood. And you're going to be the woman that your mother knew that you were and that you know you are. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by the new film Ezra from Bleecker Street. Directed by Tony Goldwyn and with an incredible ensemble cast that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, Whoopi Goldberg, Rose Byrne, Rain Wilson, and Vera Farmiga. Along with newcomer William A. Fitzgerald, the film is an endearing and often funny story about Max, a divorced father and stand-up comedian living with his father and struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When forced to confront difficult decisions about the future, Max and Ezra embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Ezra is an endearing and often funny exploration of a family determined to find their way through life's complexities with humor, compassion, and heart. An official selection of Deadline calls the film a touching testament to the power of love. IndieWire says it's funny and moving, and according to Next Best Picture, Ezra approaches autism with heart and authenticity. Only in theaters nationwide May 31st. Hi, it's Chelsea here. If you've noticed that your hair isn't looking as full as it used to, Zion Health is here to help. Zion stands out as the experts in men's and women's hair loss treatments. I didn't realize that up to 50% of women struggle with hair loss which is weird because we need to be talking about that more. Zion has treatments for all stages of life, including for hair loss due to menopause or pregnancy. Zion offers medicated and non-medicated solutions that are developed by dermatologists to maximize the growth and density of your hair. Getting a prescription is simple. Their online consultation platform gives you convenient access to personalized treatment plans. Hair loss gets more and more difficult to treat the longer you wait, so seek help with them soon. Visit xyonhealth.com to get started. That's xyonhealth.com. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new natural hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design icon West Elm, the natural hybrid is the culmination of the two companies' shared values – 
Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the natural hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families families have a safe place to sleep. Visit lisa.com forward slash Chelsea to learn more. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Chelsea. I am woman. Can you be my friend? Because I bet you all the friends call you and go, hey, this and that. You're really good at it. Now I know why you have this show. She's good at advice. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Well, because you've lived so much. Is that it? I don't know. I like people and I'm interested in everyone's story. So okay. I pick up a lot of information. I think maybe that's why. But um, sometimes I feel like I don't know what I'm talking about. And sometimes I feel like I do. So that's just like everybody in life. Right? Sometimes you think you're like crushing it. And sometimes you're like, what the fuck am I doing giving advice out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you okay. know, I just yeah. don't take myself too seriously. So it doesn't ever really become a problem. Well, you're a good friend, I bet. Well, you talk about your friends a lot. You take them on vacations. Yeah. Well, I like friends. John Stamos. Yes. The book is If You Would Have Told Me. You guys can order it. You can go to your local bookstores, which I would say to support your local bookstores so that mm-hmm. we have bookstores yeah. in 50 years. And I thank you for being here. My pleasure. I'm Always glad. a pleasure, John Stamos. Always a Always. pleasure. It's, uh, it's not enough. We, um, we need to get together more often and talk and stuff. Well, we can just meet up at Disney World. I'm there usually two, three times a week. Yes. I usually go from 12 to 4, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I love to hit the LA traffic You're the, the one who wears the, outfit, the Mickey Mouse outfit, right? No, no, no. no that's no. not me. Mm-hmm. That's not me. But I do have a joke in my stand-up about going to Disney World for the first time at 7, uh-huh. and even then I knew it was horseshit. Why? Because <laughs> I just thought, what, what is this? This is a nightmare, this place. A bunch of grown mice running around trying to take photos with me. And people say she's bitter. <laughs> no. You're not. You've changed. You've gotten softer. Less bitter. <laughs> yeah, except for that Disney rant. You just... I'm a huge fan, and I think you're smart and beautiful and, and great, and I'm glad to reconnect with you because I haven't seen you in a few years, and Catherine's fantastic. She's uh, you, she, she, you need her because I've, <laughs> I've heard you on your own. And um, uh, thanks for having me. I love you. Thank you, John. Shabbat shalom. Okay, second shows have been added. For those of you coming to see my new stand-up tour, which you have to come because I'm having the best time, we added a second show in Cincinnati in the daytime at 5 o'clock p.m. I'm doing my first show because I don't have a night where I can go back, so we added a second show at 5 p.m., and the original show is at 8 p.m. Original show is sold out. Second show, tickets are available Cincinnati. I'm also coming to Chicago, the Chicago Theater, Portland, Oregon, San Francisco. They're both almost completely sold out, and you can go to ChelseaHandler.com for other tickets and other information, and if you want to buy some of our merch, that's all available on ChelseaHandler.com. And yeah, guys, I'll see you on the road. If you'd like advice from Chelsea, shoot us an email at dearchelseapodcast at gmail.com and be sure to include your phone number. Dear Chelsea is edited and engineered by Brad Dickert, executive producer Catherine Law. And be sure to check out our merch at chelseahandler.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. 
Here's an important life tip. It is absolutely essential that you always know where to find a delicious sandwich at a moment's notice. Usually the answer is as easy as Jimmy John's. You know you're always getting some good sandwiches because they make them with fresh baked bread, premium quality meats, and hand-sliced veggies. Like their Italian nightclub made with salami, capicolo, ham, and provolone. Everybody loves that one. So if you're looking for the sandwich of sandwiches, order on the Jimmy John's app or online at jimmyjohns.com today. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb, available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.